0: Welcome back to the Wrestling Highlights of the Week edition of the My Two Cents Podcast. I am going to be covering the highlights of Raw, NXT, AEW, Impact, and SmackDown. Now, if you haven't watched all these wrestling promotions, well, wrestling shows of the week, um, this is the show that will give you the highlights of what happened throughout the week on each show. And also, I will be divulging um some wrestling um backstage talk from uh one particular company WWE over a controversy that happened this week over one very high up person getting fired but I'll speak to that whenever the time comes about but let me get on with reading of uh the highlights of each show as they went on in the week so on Monday night You had Monday Night Raw. Drew McIntyre called out MVP to answer for did he have Mace and T-Bar come and attack him last week after his match in the triple threat last week. MVP came out. He said he had no idea. He told Drew McIntyre, remember, you challenged people in the back whenever I put the bounty out. Well, whenever the Hurt Business put the bounty out on you. Remember, you challenged people. So, you might have made some enemies in the back. So, he just blatantly denied it. And as MVP walked closer to the ring, talking, Drew McIntyre got out the ring, and he was getting close to MVP. But out of nowhere, T-Bar and Mace attacked him. So, that's set up for a match later in the night of Drew McIntyre going against Mace and T-Bar in a handicap match. The next thing after that was a rematch of Viking Raiders going against... Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander it was the same watch rinse and repeat match almost verbatim not even say verbatim but it was the same like repeat match of last week with the same end results of the Viking Raiders getting the win the next thing you saw was Randy Orton being interviewed and he was talking about how he's next in line for the WWE Championship and how Drew McIntyre got lucky in the triple threat match but out of nowhere Matt Riddle Keeps riding around on his little scooter, being childlike, constantly just talking and talking around Randy Orton. Randy Orton didn't pay it no attention. He just walked away. The next thing you see, Randy Orton is talking to Adam Pierce, and he tells Adam Pierce that he wants a match with Matt Riddle later tonight on Raw. He told him just to make it happen. And that later in the night, you will get Matt Riddle going against Randy Orton. Uh Charlotte had a promo she was basically saying how she uh was glad that she interrupted the match last week between oscar rhea ripley how she supposedly next for the raw women's championship how she got screwed of not being at wrestlemania and blah 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 oscar rhea ripley came out and oscar just basically told her tonight i'm going to hurt you okay that was basically what that was uh You get your Matt Riddle versus Randy Orton match. It was uh, showcasing a riddle, seeing how he plays off with Orton, if you would call that with this match. Either way, Randy Orton did lose to Riddle by pinfall. Uh, One thing that did seem that they did want to do was showcase Riddle as a submission specialist. Because in the beginning parts of the match, Riddle would just put Randy Orton in a chokehold. Uh, a sleeper hold. And Randy couldn't get himself out of it. He would constantly try to. Until he got under the bottom ropes. And he slid out of the ring. That's how Randy got out of the sleeper hold. But this match was trying to pinpoint. Like yeah Riddle is a goofball. But you need to take him serious. When it gets time. To go into the professional wrestling ring. Uh, Naomi and Lana beat Sheena Baszler. And Nia Jax. By, uh, because Mandy... Rose and Dana Brooke came out onto the ring. They showed the clip of Nia Jax trying to get on the ring last week, get up on the apron and slipping and falling off. Nia got upset. She tried to go to the back and chase off Mandy and Dana, which left Shayna by herself with Naomi and Lana. And that's how they, well, that's how Naomi and Lana got the win, thus dividing and conquer. But, Naomi Lana did beat Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax by Pinfall. Miz TV. Uh Miz was out there with his wife Maurice. They were talking about how they were happy and Miz was taking credit for Bad Bunny. Miz uh was taking credit for Miz and Mrs. and such. Nothing really important until Damian uh Priest came out. He said he wanted um, he wanted to face the Miz later, Maurice basically granted him that, granted him that match, and uh, Damian got his match with The Miz later in the night. Uh, you got, oh, Elias did go against Kofi Kingston. It was a great like little one-on-one match, but the little nuanced thing that happened in this match was instead of Xavier Woods, he would usually come out with his tr- trombone, which he calls Francesca Turbo, And I say turbo because Xavier Woods in the past has had different Francescas, different trombones that he would name Francesca. He still kept with the name Francesca, but he just has now, at least for this appearance, he came out with a bass guitar. And he was playing little music on the bass guitar and he played a little bit of Stone Cold Steve Austin's uh, entrance on the bass. And that 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 was funny to me. Because A&E just had a day before a biography about Austin. And I'm going to get into that later. Let me just roll on. But Elias did beat Kofi Kingston by diving elbow. Very macho man. Randy Savage like. I mean that elbow looks smooth. So if I were to give that to anybody that elbow drop as a finish. Elias I would say he should take that and just run with it. WWE should just let him just continue to take that. Next thing on the list was Alexa talking to the camera about her little doll, Lily. And how she's always been there. And WWE posted like photos of Alexa as a small child. And you kind of like see the doll in those photos. So they kind of like photoshopped it in to not really to make it seem like she's always had this doll. You can't. Yeah. Anyway, the point being is this. Alexa told the Raw Women's Division that she's coming and that Lily doesn't like people, certain people, and whenever it's your time, she's coming to get you. That's basically what the whole promo was about. Uh, Now it's time for Drew McIntyre going against T-Bar and Mace. Uh, They had their little handicap match until T-Bar and Mace got too much for Drew, and then Braun Strowman came out, and effectively this turned into a tag team match now. And now you had Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman going against T-Barn Mace and it ended in a disqualification because Drew McIntyre was going against Mace and he took off Mace's uh, mask. It was very Bane-esque mask, if you will. When you look at them, you'll see what I'm talking about. He takes off Mace's mask and he, him and Mace are having to stare down with one another and Drew smacks Mace in the face with the uh, mask and the referee decides to call a disqualification. Which is kind of which is basically stupid. You're gonna take off the man's mask and hit him with it and the referee calls the disqualification. It's stupid on the ref's part, but I get what they're trying to get here. Because next week you got Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman yet again going against Mace and T Bar and hopefully this time they'll take those keep the stupid mask off of T Bar and Mace because we know T-Bar Underneath the mask is Donovan Dijak Donovan Dijakovic, which his name was in NXT. And the guy Mace is Brendan Williams, who was a Raw announcer, I'll give it, two years ago. But then he got f 5 would through the announce table by Brock Lesnar two years ago. And you didn't see from him ever again. So I hope they keep the stupid mask off of him. Yeah, give them. Yeah, keep them with the stupid names. I wouldn't do it, but WWE's got a WWE it. Um, you get your Damian Priest versus the Miz match. Damian Priest beats the Miz by pinfall, nothing real special. Sheamus does have an open challenge. He wanted to have an open challenge because Adam Pierce earlier in the show told him that uh, we had a guy named John Cena who basically had an open challenge for his United States championship. You should try to follow in the footsteps. Sheamus says. I'm not going to follow in the footsteps of somebody else. I'm going to mark my own footsteps, and I'm going to do it my way. Yes, I'm going to have an open challenge, but it's not going to be for the United States Championship. So he's out there. He's saying, oh, anybody that wants to come out here and fight, come on. And the first guy that comes out is Humberto Carrillo. He's a guy that appears on 205 from time to time, and he appears up on... Uh, main event but he's really just now reduced down to these type of things you need him just to be a beat down object for somebody and this is what happens he gets beat down by Sheamus and Sheamus leaves with the championship the match never really even happens and in the main event you got Asuka going against Charlotte Flair and Asuka beats Charlotte by pitiful but Rhea Ripley did interfere and distract Charlotte because when Charlotte had Asuka in the figure eight which is basically the figure four but Charlotte bridges herself up and that's what makes it an eight uh Rhea Ripley swiped at Charlotte's hand and she made Charlotte break from the bridge so basically make Charlotte lose all her focus and let go of the whole figure four as a whole and now you got Charlotte looking at Rhea Ripley and now She's distracted, and Oscar uh, rolls her up, gets the pinfall, get the one, two, three, and there you have it. Asuka beats Charlotte, and now you have Charlotte in the ring, crazed out, and now she attacks the referee. She constantly attacks the referee over and over again, and what leads this into is, on Raw Talk later, uh, later throughout the night, which is on the Peacock, Um, you come to find out that Charlotte is now suspended storyline wise, and she's been fined $100,000 storyline wise again. I'm not sure what they want to do with this whole Charlotte thing. She just came back from a vacation. I mean, yeah, sure, you can do something. But right now, to my mind, I don't know what you would do with this whole thing, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Now on Tuesday, NXT. Kyle O'Reilly opened the show, he had a promo, he talked about how he's happy to rid Adam Cole, how he's feeling like his true self, he feels like he can now go after any championship that he feels like. He calls out, he playfully calls out Jordan Gargano, and then he made a time reference towards the NXT champion Karrion Cross. but then he gets interrupted by Cameron Grimes who Cameron Grimes is now trying to manage Kyle O'Reilly. And Kyle O'Reilly's playing it up with him, chummy, chummy. And he tells him that, I came to the arena today and I found out that I have a match. And Kyle O'Reilly's just constantly just looking around, the whole thing, letting Cameron Grimes ponder, okay, who is your match going to be with? Kyle O'Reilly puts sunglasses on and he looks at Cameron Grimes and tells him it's going to be you and he punches Cameron in the face. So that's how they leave that segment. When they come back from commercial break, it is now L.A. Knight going against Dexter Loomis, and L.A. Knight beats Dexter Loomis because Indy Hartwell was there on the opposite uh, side of the barricade. She was just staring at Dexter, and Dexter and her had the locking of eyes, and L.A. Knight was able to take advantage of that, hit Dexter Loomis with his finish, and cover him for the one, two, three. Um. After this match, you had Beth Phoenix interviewing Io Shirai. And Io Shirai was talking about how she was going to take a break because she held on to that NXT Women's Championship for so long. And now, after her loss by Raquel, she's happy to just be able to take a break, get her mind right, get her body right. And whenever she comes back, she's going to take her NXT Women's Championship. When, as she is saying all this, Frankie Monet formerly Taya, just want to keep you guys aware of who this person is, is coming, is chasing after her dog, because her dog jumped up on the table, and interrupted the interview, and she grabs her dog, and she introduces herself towards uh, Io Shirai, and she tells Io Shirai, listen, you're going to be out for a minute, I get it, go ahead, take your time, you were a great NXT Women's Champion, but just to let you know, I'm going to be here, I'm going to be Challenging for the NXT Women's Championship, I'm going to be the best wrestler while you're gone. And then when you happen to be coming back, I'll be here waiting for you to come after the NXT Women's Championship once I win it. Io Shirai just stands up, looks at her and her dog and says, I like cats. And just leaves. So that's leading you down to Frankie Monet. More or less, going to be her first match. is going to be against... EOS Ryan, I mean like a first big time match. Not like a first match, like, okay, I'm in this match against a scrub. I'm talking about a big time match with somebody. That's Frankie Monet's more or less gonna be her first task when she like really gets in the ring. Next thing that happens on NXT was Grizzle Young Veterans going against Brizango. Grizzle Young Veterans beat Brizango. It was a nice little tag match. They let Grizzle Young Veterans get their win to let them climb up the tag team title uh opportunity rankings. Next thing you have was the newly signed uh Japanese sensation Saray going against Zoe Stark and if I'm going to be honest with you, this is the best uh women's match this week. Yeah, uh, in and Zoe Starks was the best women's wrestling match this week. If you want to look at it, get Peacock, because I know it's on there. And if you can find it somewhere else on the internet without having to go to Peacock, I will suggest doing it. It's a great match. Either way, Saray beats Zoe Starks. And just because sh- this is now showcasing who Saray is and also letting... Zoe Starks also get more of that shine because NXT is trying to put Zoe Starks as one of their newer uh talents as well with Saray. So Saray beats Zoe Starks by Pinfall, and after the match, uh Zoe Starks gets beat down by um Tony Storm. And Saray makes the save. So next thing you know, you're gonna more than likely see Saray going against Tony Storm down the line. Next match was Kushida. Having himself an open challenge for the Cruiserweight title against anybody in Oni Lorcan, one half of the former NXT tag team champions come out, and him and Kushida have a nice little uh match. But Kushida beats Oni Lorcan by submission and he locks him in the hoverboard lock, which is basically a Kamora lock, but he Kushida has his own way of doing the Kamora lock. Okay. After the match, Legato del Fantasmo comes out and attacks Kashida, in inside in the group that's in Legada del Fantasma is Santos Escobar, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Phoenix. No, Joaquin Wild, sorry. Thought of the actor for a minute, but Joaquin Wild. All three of those men attack Kashida, and MSK comes out to make the save. So next week you have the NXT tag champions MSK and the NXT Cruiserweight champion Kashida going against Legado del Fantasma. Uh, the next match was Imperium going against Everize It was a real quick match. Imperium gets the win over everize and then in the main event you have Riley versus Cameron Grimes. But before Riley goes out to make his entrance, as he's walking towards the stage, he sees Karrion Cross, and him and Cross have a stare down between one another, and this is letting the fans get wet their whistles. Like, okay, we might see. Kyle O'Reilly going against Karrion Cross down the future somewhere soon. Anyway, he makes his entrance, and now you have Cameron Grimes going against Kyle O'Reilly. That one was a great match, too. A great main event to end off a of. nice show for NXT. And Kyle O'Reilly gets the win. He beats Cameron uh, Grimes by pinfall. AEW on Wednesday. First match, Hangman versus Ricky Starks. Hangman beats Ricky Starks by submission. And now they're trying to make it a point that Hangman is the number one ranked guy. He hasn't been f- defeated in 2021. We're going to see more or less down the line Hangman going against Kenny Omega. We're not going to get it now, but we're going to get it soon. After the match, Hangman got distracted by Taz because Taz got the microphone and he told Hangman that he should have eyes all the way all around him all around him and while he's saying that his uh Taz's son Hook uh hits yeah hits hangman behind the legs and now team Taz which consists of at this moment Hook Starks and Brian Cage is now beating up on hangman and before Brian Cage can powerbomb hangman uh the dark order comes out to make the save for their buddy so now you got Hangman and Dark Order in the ring while Hook, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage are running to the back. Next match was Penta versus Trent. And Penta is now with a guy named Alex, Mar- Alex something. That's his uh, English interpreter, while Trent is uh, managed by Orange Cassidy in this match. Penta ends up getting a win because Alex uh, is gets the mic. He tells Trent that uh, he sucks, or Cassidy sucks, and his mom sucks. So Trent's uh, real uh, loving about his mother. So anybody that says anything wrong about his mom, he's willing to fight you for it. So he chases Alex into the ring. The referee is distracting uh, by... Uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah. By Alex. No, 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 no. Alex gets into the ring. The referee is... Distra- uh, no, Penta is distracting the rep. No, nope. screw it. Alex gets in the ring. Penta is... No, no, no. Al- Here we go. Sorry. God. Alex gets in the ring. The referee is distracted by Trent because he knows he wants to get his hand on Alex. Orange Cassidy gets in the ring. He's behind uh alex looks like he's about to do something penta gets in the ring and super kicks uh orange cassidy and then alex hits uh trent in the head with the microphone and then penta hits uh trent with the package power driver one two three that's how it went sorry with the whole so many misconfusions i was trying to remember that match but i got the right order next thing after that was jr interviewing the pinnacle and MGF did most of the talking. You got Warlow talking in the in the middle of it, but then you had like MGF like doing majority of the talking after that. Even though you had FTR, who's great talkers, and Sean Spears, who's an alright talker from the clips and from the things I've seen him, if they allow him to do like interview bass, you'll get a lot out of Sean Spears. He's a great talker in interview segments when you give him the time. But MGF did majority of the talking, and he was basically running down how Jericho is a goat, but he has everybody fooled. How he was latch on to stars and then try to take credit for what they have done because you're in the ring with Jericho. And he lists off names. He lists off the Young Bucks. He lists off Adam Page. He lists off. He named off Cody and he named off himself, just to prove his point. And he basically told him that. At blood and guts, my family is going to beat your guys up and we're just better than you. After that, you had Hukaru Shida going against Ty Conti for the AEW Women's Championship. Hukaru Shida beat Ty Conti yet again. AEW is slowly working their women's division in the right direction. Uh, their match quality for this match was good. Like I said last week. Give AEW one more year or two. They're gonna be legit. One of the top, and they might even take over NXT in the women's division, even though NXT does sign a lot of female competitors, I'm pretty sure Tony Khan sees this, and he sees how he can tweak his women's division, and I know how Cody, and not Cody, but Kenny sees this because Kenny Omega kind of like has his hands in the women's division, and who comes into the women's uh, division, and I see AEW within a year or two becoming in taking over the women's division in, in America. I said it last week. And I'm standing by it. And this match proved it. After the match. Britt Baker came to the uh, stage. And they showed it on the screen. The AEW women uh, title rankings. And it showed that Ty Conti was number one. Britt Baker was number two. And now since this match has happened. That busted Ty Conti out of the number one rank spot. And put Britt Baker on the number one ranked spot. So now you are seeing your next challenger for the AEW Women's Championship, uh, Britt Baker. And you're now going to start seeing, within the next couple of weeks, Hikaru Shida having her moments with Britt Baker. I promise you that's more or less happening. Tony Schiavone is now interviewing the inner circle in the ring. And that statement went a little too long for my liking. I mean, I get it. You got to kill time. I'm not sure how much time did they say you can have in the ring, but I believe it went a little bit too long. But they got their point across, basically saying that we're going to beat you guys. They made fun of the Pinnacle's name. They called Jericho called him the Pineapple Pineapple until Sam Guevara had to nudge him and say Pinnacle. Oh yeah, that's right, Pinnacle. And he called MJF my jerk off friend. I mean, Jericho was like like. Laying in, but not really laying into the pinnacle. He was basically just trying to kill time. So it just ran on too long. That's my thing for that. And also, Santana, and I'm glad somebody tweeted this out. Somebody tweeted out that Santana looks like a star. We get that he's a tag team wrestler, but when you saw him in that segment, he looks like he could be a main event, like caliber single star in the future. And I'm glad somebody tweeted that out because I thought that when I saw him, I was like, okay, he looks cool. He can, he looks like he could do something in the future, and he's right, because Santana, yes, he's a tag team wrestler, but just like Dax, I believe that certain tag teams have wrestlers in them that are proficient enough that they can be a singles competitor and also be a tag team wrestler. If you look at WWE, what they've done with Jay Uso these past months while his brother was injured, Jay Uso was known as being a tag team wrestler, but since he's been out there by himself he's upped his game and he's been able to hang with some of the best wrestlers on the planet whether it be Daniel O'Brien or a Cesaro or even Roman Reigns when he had his match with Roman Reigns uh for the universal title they had you were seeing Jay at his peak doing what he can do as a singles competitor and that's what I believe you could do with Santana shoot they did it with Dax Dax had his match with Jericho, and he had a great match with Jericho. If they wanted to sp- not really split Dax up, if they wanted to have him do an R Anderson-type deal, where Arn Anderson in the past, or even Tully Blanchard, R Anderson and Atoli Blanchard in the past, in WCW, basically NWA era, those guys were individuals, but then you put them in a tag team, but they were still able to go after individual singles gold, while still being tag team wrestlers. So, I see that happening slowly in AEW later down the line. I see it. But anyway, that interview happens. Uh, after that interview, you have QT Marshall going against Billy Guns. And QT Marshall ends up beating Billy Guns by a pinfall thanks to Anthony Agogo, who comes down to the ring because uh, QT has Aaron, Sol- Aaron Solo, Aaron Soho, there we go and the big, uh, a big dude, I can't remember his name right now, and while Billy Gunn is by himself, but his sons are on the opposite side of the barricade, Austin Gunn and uh, Colton Gunn, and they. Aaron is pushing Billy into the ring post, and then you see Billy's sons jump over the barricade and attack Aaron and the big dude. While that's going on, they fight to the back, Anthony Agogo comes out from the back and he walks up to Billy and just hits him right in the gut with the boxer's punch, was knocked out and basically rendered the jobber that Anthony Gogo went against last week. This is basically the same punch. He punches Billy in the gut, QT hits Billy with the diamond cutter, gets the win. Uh, next segment was The Elite, which consists of Kenny Omega, the AEW World Champion, the Young Bucks, AEW Tag Team Champions, Don Callis, the Invisible Hand, and the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, in their own personal like trailer, like a movie trailer, but a smaller trailer, and it has the Elite spray painted in, on the trailer, and they're inside there, they're talking about how they're the best... How without them there would be no all elite wrestling. There would be no major success that there once was, was in like early two thousand and fourteen. They're mentioning and subtle hinting and jabbing at New Japan with how they made the Bullet Club shirt famous over here in America. How they revolutionized wrestling yet again and such. Um, and now they're making fun of John Moxley and Eddie Kingston and the promo. And now it's time for Omega to talk, and Omega is looking into the uh, camera, and he says, "You know what? Um, you know what makes me sick to my stomach." And as he's talking, you hear a truck or some type of vehicle just honking their horn constantly throughout throughout Kenny's time to speak, and Kenny has to stop and say, "Okay, can somebody tell this vehicle or supposed to get person to shut up?" stop honking, see what's up. And, he, and as he's saying this, you see Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows look at the window. And then they have the can, then they now uh, cut the camera angle to the outside of the trailer as a truck honking at the trailer. And inside the truck is John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. They drive the truck into the trailer. They just did it a little bit. They didn't run the truck right through it. They just hit it. And Eddie Kingston and John Moxley... Get out the trailer, not the trailer, but the truck, and now they're trying to get into the trailer to fight the Elite, and once they get inside the trailer, the Elite are not in there, and you hear Moxley and Kingston have this witty ban- banter between themselves, and uh, Moxley breaks a window in the Elite's trailer, and he throws a pipe into the window, and Kingston's right next to the window, and... He does that and Kingston looks at Moxley and said, Don't you probably want me to you I should be out of the way when you do that next time. And Moxley tells him you were you were walking and you just stopped. Moxley said, Yeah, but you gotta try to throw the win. They were just having a funny banter. Look it up, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh next segment was Christian going against powerhouse Hobbs. After last week, Powerhouse Powerhouse attacked Christian, and now Christian's trying to get some retribution for that. Christian ends up beating Powerhouse by a pinfall after he hits him with the kill switch, formerly known as the Imprettier in WWE. And after the match, Ricky Starks comes out there to try to pick up Powerhouse, like wake him up to him. It's okay, bro. It's all right. And Christian and Ricky Starks just stare down at one another. And the announcers are playing it up like, did you guys just see that stare down? So that's telling you that okay, Ricky Starks is next in line to go against Christian somewhere down these next couple weeks, more or less. And then the main event, you had Darby Allen going against Jungle Boy for the TNT Championship. Great match for main event. Yet again, uh Darby Allen beat Jungle Boy by pinfall. And then after the match, uh Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky attack both Jungle Boy and Darby Allen. And to make the save for Darby Allen was Archer and Sting. Archer came out there and he's about to choke-slam them both. Choke-slam both Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, but both uh Sky and Page hit Archer Archer and the family jewels, and then Sting comes out with the black bat. And that leads to Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky leaving the ring. So the final thing you see was Darby Allen raising up the TNT Championship. On Impact Thursday, uh the Good Brothers beat Decay in which consists of uh Crazy Steve and Black Taurus. Uh the Good Brothers beat Decay by Pinfall. Tanil Dashwood beat Susan by Pinfall. Susan is uh the formerly known as Su Young. For Impact Wrestling. Um, Shira beat Jake something by a pinfall. Because Rahit Raju distracted Jake. While he was on the top rope. Jake was going for a big splash. He ends up missing the splash. And uh, Shira hits Jake something with a skyfall. And that's how he got the win. Rich Juan comes out for in-ring promo. To hype up the... Um, pay-per-view of him versus omega this sunday at rebellion i'm gonna get into that in a minute because i I'm a, I'm a little bit upset about this in a minute not about impact's part but about AEW's part i'm gonna get into for this whole main events thing uh rich one has his interview not interview he does his in-ring promo talking about how he's upset how at last week's press conference he went to extend his hand out to kenny omega but kenny slapped him how Kenny's taking him as a joke, how Kenny's not taking Rich's not serious, how Kenny thinks is already predetermined that he's winning the Impact World Championship and such. Kenny Omega does interrupt Rich One, but it's by uh, screen. They play a video of Kenny Omega and Don Callis somewhere, and Don Callis and Kenny's talking about how they are envisioning the match going down and Kenny beating swan and adding on to his collection of championships who while Kenny is the AEW world champion he is also the AAA uh, mega champion AAA is a wrestling promotion in Mexico so Kenny Omega is the world champion of that and he's now coming to Impact to take the Impact world championship now they are manifesting that Kenny's gonna win that uh Kenny's just bragging throughout the whole match and saying how at Rebellion Swan, you're going to put up a fight, but at the end of the day, you're going to fall to me, and I'm going to take that belt, and I'm going to just continue adding on to my collection. Once Kenny is gone, the lights go out, and Moose's theme hits. Moose comes out on the ramp, he gets in the ring, and he tells Swan, listen, you beat me to win that TNA championship. You are our champion over here. He was letting Swan know that, listen, you are the best. I have no doubt I'm picking you to retain the Impact slash TNA World Championship and also win the AEW World Championship. He was basically reaffirming to Rich, you are the man, you got this. However, if you happen to lose this match and you lose the Impact slash TNA World Championships I'm coming after you and I'm going to be the one to beat you up and then after I'm done with you I'm going to go after Omega and go after the Impact TNA Championships he was not fond of having to repeat that to Swan he was basically giving him that old if you grew up with a parent that gave you that look and I told you, listen, if you screw up, I'm going to hurt you. That's that kind of feel that you got from, sw- from Moose to Swan. If you mess up in this match or you do anything, you're going to get yourself hurt. So that's the kind of message he was relaying to him. Now, the next thing on the docket for Impact was Jordan Grace going against uh, Kira Hogan. Jordan Grace won by disqualification because when she had... Uh, Kiera Hogan, in a pending predicament, Tasha Steeles came out and beat down Jordan Grace. And Tasha Steeles and Kiera Hogan were beating down Jordan Grace. And then a uh, then some music hit, and it was Rachel Ellering. Rachel Ellering came out to save Jordan Grace from Tasha Steeles and Kiera Hogan. Rachel Ellering is the daughter of Paul Ellering, who is famous for managing... Uh, Legion of Doom, or better known as the Road Warriors, in the late nineties, early no, early nineties, late eighties, and he made his resurgence back in the professional wrestling industry by managing another tag team in the late two thousand and tens, the Authors of Pain, when they were in the NXT, and he's also a Hall of Famer, so. Rachel Ellering is the daughter of that guy. And she was signed by NXT. And I believe she got uh, released two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. So she hasn't been on the scene of television for a minute. And now she comes back. She Hold up, was it two years ago or a year ago? One or two, either way. I don't mean to disrespect. She comes back. She's on the scene. She's helping Jordan Grace get rid of Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan. And this is the tag partner that Jazz said that I have a person to replace myself for with uh for you to go against Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan for the Impact uh Knockouts Tag Team Championships. So it will be Jordan Grace and Richard Ellering going against Kiera Hogan and Tasha Steels for the Impact Uh Knockouts Champion. Impact Knockouts Tag Team championships and in the main event it was eric young versus uh eddie edwards and eric young beat eddie edwards by pinfall now going off to friday night smackdown to open up the show cesaro he started out with a promo talking about how he wants the universal title how roman reigns blew him off seth cuts him off and says listen i'm seth Rollins on my worst date on your best day." You couldn't beat me. It would had to be a divine interaction from Mother Nature and God, that you that they had a rainstorm that put my WrestleMania, uh, feeling in a funk, and that's the reason how you beat me. And Cesaro told him, "Listen, um, I'm, I'm having a great day. How's your day?" And he's basically, uh, amping up the fact that listen, you just said on my. Best date on your worst day, you couldn't beat me. So Cesaro's trying to take him up on that offer, saying, listen, get in the ring. We can do this now. My day, I'm having a great day right now. But before he, before Seth's even about to respond to it, Jey Uso comes out and Jey Uso tells Cesaro, listen, the big man, the head of the table, he blew you off last week. He's not paying you any attention. No focus, don't mind, no matter you mean nothing to us. You try to disrespect me, so now I'm have to come and get you. Before Jay gets down into the ring, Seth has to tell him, "Listen, Cesaro has the high ground right now. If me and you surround the ring and he says it low, like I did, like me and him did in the Shield, he has no way of getting out of the ring." And Jay takes him up on offer offer. So as Seth and uh, Jay are surrounding the ring. Dale O'Brien's music hits. he runs in the ring. He's right there with Cesaro. he grabs a mic and he tells him listen, I see as you two. Why don't we get into a fight right now?" And he starts egging at the idea starts saying, why are you guys walking up this while you guys walking up the stage oh okay. This is another setup. So where's Roaming at? He's going to come out here and try to attack us. It's going to be a three on two. And Daniel Bryan told him, listen, if that's going to happen, I'm glad to be right next to Cesaro because Cesaro is a great man that I can trust to fight with me back to back. Roman Reigns music hits. He gets onto the ramp. He calls Daniel Bryan and Cesaro losers. And he puts them in different categories. He calls a Cesaro a casino loser. Saying that you have the best, worst luck he has ever seen. And he called Dan Bryan a just straight up loser. Loser at life, loser at everything. And that was it. And this led to a tag match of Cesaro and Dan Bryan going against Seth Rollins and Jey Uso. It was a great opening match, if I had to give you the best opening match of the well, of the night of this whole week was that match it was Cesaro and Seth, no Cesaro and Bryan going against, uh Seth and Jay, the best opening match of the week. And Cesaro and Daniel Bryan beat Jay Uso and Seth Rollins because, uh Seth Rollins, it leaves and walks out from the match and leaves Jay Uso to fend for himself, and Jay ends up eating a running knee to the face by Day O'Brien, and that's how Day O'Brien and Cesaro ends up winning. After the match, Cesaro swings Jey Uso in the ring all around, and uh, Day O'Brien's on the mic, and he talks, and he says, Roman Reigns, come out. You need to accept Roman, uh, accept Cesaro's challenge. You need to accept it. You need to come out here and save your cousin. You're supposed to be the head of the table. You're supposed to be the leader of the Samoan dynasty and all these names and all these accolades, Jay has come out there to save you in every match that you've been in. Now is your time to save Jay. Nobody comes out to save Jay. Roman stays in the back and Daniel Bryan tells Cesaro, "Listen, the reason why Roman's af- Roman's not coming out is because he's afraid of you. He's afraid of the. Uh, he's afraid that he will lose." That universal title to you. That's the reason why he's not taking you up on your challenge. And they continuously to swing Jay in the ring and Cesaro let go, and then he ends up hitting Jay with a uppercut. That's how that segment ends. The next thing that happened is um t- 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 Tamina. Yes, the next match was Tamina going against Nia Jax. Tamina's out there with uh, Natalia in her corner while Nia Jax has Reginald and Shayna Baszler in her corner and Tamina ends up winning Nia Jax because Nia gets distracted by Shayna and Reginald and that's how that thing ends I hope this storyline for Reginald and Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax ends and start. okay it ran its course it, it, it's missed the boat It's time for that to end. It's time for Nia Jax and Shayna just to be back on their dominance of a tag team, lose the belts, and then just start just causing a rampage rage or even have them go against one another to see who is the best out of that tag team. So one can just lean over that fact over the other. I'm just throwing out some ideas for Shayna and Nia because this storyline with Reginald has to end. And I mean, dead it quick. Uh, the next thing that happened was KO he had an interview and cause he was going against Apollo Cruz uh next for the Intercontinental title. And in the interview, Big E interrupts and tells Kevin Owens, You jumped the line. I you know that match for the Intercontinental title is mine. You know I was next in line. You jumped the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. KO tells him, Listen, you lost the match yet. WrestleMania, yeah, you might be next in line, but listen, I'm right here. I'm having the match next. Too bad, so sad. And once I beat Apollo Crews, the Intercontinental title will be mine. So they leave the interview with those two chuckling it up, and then Kevin Owens slaps uh, Biggie on the shoulders, and then they both turn to stoic like that, The like the chuckles were fake. The ha 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 ha, and it went to straight flat face. That's how they leave this segment, and now you go off. Kevin Owens is walking off to the ring. So now, next thing you see at the commercial is Kevin Owens going against Apollo, who had General Aziz with him for the Intercontinental Championship. KO ends up losing to Apollo because General Aziz gets on the apron, and it distracts Kevin Owens, and Apollo Cruz is able to hit him with a roll-up. And he pins a one, two, three. Apollo retains the title. Kevin Owens gets up, hits the Stone Cold Stunner on Apollo, and then as soon as he hits Apollo with the stunner, General Aziz is in the ring. He grabs Kevin Owens by the throat. He hits him with the, uh, Nigerian nail, which is the Samoan spike. If you watch wrestling in the two thousand and five, two thousand six era, you had Umaga, who is a part of the Samoan dynasty, he had that finish, he basically grabbed you by the throat, and he just jams his thumb right into your throat, that's the uh finish, uh, General Aziz does that, and now you have Kevin Owens just in the ring, just dead, like, dead to the world, and Sami Zayn just gets in the ring and starts dancing all around, Kevin Owens just making a mockery out of it. And you just hear the commentary of Pat McAvee just straight up calling da- Sami Zayn's dance moves lit and just prancing about how Sammy's just getting it in. It just it's, it's a gifable moment. That's exactly what Sami Zayn provided in that instance. He provided a gifable moment for anybody just to use as a gif. Um, the next thing that happened was Apollo Cruz being interviewed backstage, and he talks about how Nigeria, people in Nigeria are loving him. His ancestors are happy about him beating Kevin Owens. He's going on and on and Biggie comes from around the corner and smashes Apollo into the wall and it throws him into some uh crates and officials have to get Biggie off of Apollo and then General Z's come from the locker room and then he leans and tries to uh, take care of Apollo, and he asks Apollo, "What happened? I was only gone for a couple of seconds. What happened?" And the next thing you see is General Z's gets up, and he just looks off into the distance, mad and upset. So now you see that he now you see the Biggie has really made General Z's mad. So next week you'll be. Uh, Biggie getting his championship opportunity rematch against Apollo Cruz for an international title, but he should look out because General Aziz is upset. More or less, he's gonna interfere in this match and cause a disqualification. I predict that next week. And then your uh and the next thing after that was, Alistair Black, who's been gone for, God knows how long, the better part of huh, six months. I'll give it that six. Six or five months he's been gone without no trace on WWE content and he now is back or at least he was back in a uh, vignette. In a vignette is to show you like, okay, this is this guy is a showcase. It's a showcase of him telling you what he is, telling you who he is. That's basically what a vignette is vignette is. So they had one for Aleister Black. He tells a story about how he was a how he's a dragon and that is an old fable tale i it's, it's convoluted for me so i'm not really sure how to really like tell this fable tale but what he's basically getting at is he's reprimanding the parents of today's society saying that you guys raised up monsters worse than you guys were but now i'm here to lead those monsters into a new era if you will that's what he's trying to say with his vignette hopefully next week they'll divulge more into it but that's what i got for this one it was very convoluted and then in your main event it was the mysterios or ray mysterio and a son dominic mysterio going against the team of alpha academy of otis and chad gable and uh, Rey Mysterio and his son Dominic beat uh, the Alpha Academy by pinfall once Rey Mysterio hit Chad Gable with the 619 and then the Frog Splash and got the 123 the final segment of Smackdown was Cesaro and Daniel Bryan inside the ring and Daniel Bryan is calling out Roman Reigns to accept Cesaro's challenge and in the mix of all that Roman Reigns Jey Uso and Paul Heyman all come out. They, uh, they come out and Roman grabs the mic and he tells Cesaro, "Who are you? To dare and try to ask for anything? You're nobody. You are nothing. You're nothing to me. You're nothing." And he tell, and then he looks at Day O'Brien and he says, "But I have a challenge for you." Matter of fact, he t- "Oh yeah," leads into that. He tells Cesaro, "You don't challenge me. I I make the challenges." I'm the guy that makes the challenges around here. So then he turns his attention to Daniel Bryan in the ring. He tells Daniel Bryan, listen, I don't like you. I don't, I never have liked you. I don't like you, but I'm going to give you another opportunity at this universal championship next week. And Cesaro, I thought he was going to say, you can't be seriously thinking about it. But he tells Daniel Bryan, you have to take this opportunity. You have to take this. You have to take that title off of him. So Cesaro's playing the friend role of backing up a man that he respects wholeheartedly. So before Dave Bryan can even say that he accepts, Roman Reigns says, but on this one condition, that if, and then he has to craze himself, when he wins, and he being Roman Reigns, once Roman Reigns wins... Daniel Bryan cannot show himself up on SmackDown. He has to get away. He has to go bye-bye. So basically, next week's match, because Daniel Bryan does end up accepting, is going to be Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns, title versus leaving of brand. So if Daniel Bryan loses and he doesn't uh, beat Roman Reigns for the universal title, Daniel Bryan will leave SmackDown. So more likely, we'll probably see him out either on Raw or, surprisingly, on NXT. Maybe. I'll shout that NXT in just maybe a little bit because they need Pete Dunne to do something. Because Pete Dunne's not going against Karrion Cross right now. So I can see Dan Ryan going down there just to wrestle with the young talent. So next week, you will get Dan Ryan versus Roman Reigns for the Universal title. Title versus uh, career slash, not career, but leaving of brand. And now I'm about to give you my rebellion uh predictions for this Sunday Impact Wrestling's uh pay-per-view rebellion. Uh in the knockouts tag team title match, it will be Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering going against uh Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles. I predict Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering to win the knockouts tag titles. It'll be Chris Sabin, Eddie Edwards, James Storms, and Willie Mack going against Violent by Design, which consists of Deaner, Joe Doring, Rhino, and Eric Young. I see Saban, Edwards, Mack, and Storm beating Violence by Design. And the last man standing match, Sammy Callahan going against Trey Miguel. I see Sammy Callahan beating Trey Miguel and leading Sammy Callahan on a upwards trajectory for the uh, Impact title somewhere down the line. I see it's Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, going against Kurt Hawkins, oh, formerly known as Kurt Hawkins, but now his name is Brian Myers. And I see Matt Cardona beating Brian Myers. In the triple threat match for the X Division title, you have Ace Austin going against TJP and Josh Alexander. I am choosing Ace Austin to retain his X Division title. In the knockouts, tag, knockouts title match, it is Deanna Peraza going against Tenille Dashwood. I am picking Deanna Perrazzo to retain the Knockouts Championship And for the Impact Tag titles. The Good Brothers going against the Finn Juice. David Finley and Juice Robinson. I am picking Good Brothers to beat Finn Juice and win back the Impact Tag titles, which will lead into this. Omega Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan. Title versus title. Impact title for AEW Championship. I am picking Kenny Omega to win that. So now you have the elite of Kenny, the Young Bucks, and the Go Brothers all draped in gold. So anytime you see them, you'll see them all with championships. That's what I'm predicting. And hopefully with this pay-per-view, after it's off and done, you will see Impact uh, wrestlers start to make their way over to AEW Television. And hopefully, we start seeing more of the merging of this whole co brand opening of the Forbidden Door business. Because right now, the hype up for the Omega versus Swan main event match has only been pumped up by Impact Wrestling. None of it has been making its way onto AEW television, except for this week. Whenever the elite were talking in their trailer and Don Callis threw in the fact whenever he was introducing Kenny Omega as the soon to be impact world champion. And they had one commercial this week of advertising the impact uh, pay-per-view rebellion where their world champion AEW world champion Kenny Omega will be going against Rich Swann. Impact Wrestling World Champion for title versus title. You would think that your big world champion would be telling somebody in the office, Yo, you need to advertise this match so the other company can continue to want to work with us, so we continue wanting to work with them. You would think you would try to advertise that, but I'm not, I don't work in the television business yet. Of that in depth to know, okay, did Impact not put in money? to, like, sweeten the deal for TNT to throw that in, did Impact not... What what fell apart in this? Because this match should be on the lips of every professional wrestling fan, not just fans that watch Impact Wrestling and just happen to watch AEW. This match should be on the lips of every professional wrestling fan's lips. This match alone. To, to have AEW World Champion to go after another company's world championship and possibly win it and then elevate that company's title and that company to a whole nigher higher standard, you would think AEW would want to put money behind this. And you would think Impact would want to almost, not going to say go all in. Ha <laughs> ha, you get what I did there. If you And I'm going to just say this. All in was a pay-per-view back in i say 2018 2018 that the Young Bucks and Cody put a lot of money behind it was them self-financing this pay-per-view was it was a big success so that's why I say the all-in the whole deal which led to from that pay-per-view led into the creation of All Elite so that's why I meant with that cat ke- he he ha ha insider joke but getting back to my point you would think Impact almost wants to go all in with this thing because whenever Kenny Omega wins the a- Impact Championship, Kenny Omega has to be on Impact Television. So that means Impact gets more eyes on the product because Kenny Omega is going to be going against different talent that other people have never even heard of. Kenny Omega going against Ace Austin or Kenny Omega going against a uh, Eddie Edwards or a Sammy Callahan or even a Chris Bay, or, matter of fact, even a Josh Alexander. Just to say, those type of matches interest me. Not just because I'm a wrestling fan, but it's something different. You've seen Kenny Omega on AEW. He, does. he only has so much more people that he actually could wrestle right now. So with this influx of this merger that they have, you should see more people trying to jump in. But anyway, getting to the point. I'm just a disappointed AEW didn't try to put more money behind, like, promoting this thing. Impact did, because that's their show, and this is their pay-per-view. But whenever you're the outsider jumping into this, I would think with you being at the centerstone of this pay-per-view, your company that you have on your back, AEW, will want to, like, prop this up as, look at our guy, he's on this, he's going to win this company's championship, I would think AEW should have put more money behind it, but that's the one thing. Stone Cold's A and E biography, I watched it. It was great. I I knew about a lot of the things that they said in that. I will listen to. I used to listen to some of his old podcasts. Well, his he still has a podcast now. I used to listen to some of its uh podcasts, and he would talk about some of the things he in the documentary. it talked about him uh leaving uh texas and him starting out in professional wrestling and he mentioned a story about how at one point he was just living off of tuna and potatoes and then once the tuna ran low he just lived off potatoes now how he had to this is the only time he ever asked his parents for money he asked his mother say hey instead of sending me something for my birthday how about you just send me 40 bucks and that's all I want for my birthday. And he said within the next days, my mother sent those four two twenty dollar bills and he was good. Yeah, they talked about how Austin became Stone Cold Steve Austin and the creation of the character Stone Cold Steve Austin. They even broke down into him uh with his uh neck, uh the match with him and Owen Hart in ninety in ninety seven, the SummerSlam how he talked about how he didn't break his neck. He was close to it, but he had like some type of fracture in his neck. He didn't break it. He just had a fracture in it. And he talked about, just watch the a and documentary. It's a great thing. It, which led to a uh, WWE selling a uh, anime series to Crunchyroll. I said it right. WWE selling a show to Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll is an animated, not anime, but anime uh, streaming uh, platform for all the Japanese uh, cartoons, but that's basically what it is. And with that being said, WWE is slowly getting back up on the mainstream because if they, and by the way, that documentary of Stone Cold Steve Austin did increase, it was the highest rating of A&E in a long time so that tells you the power that wrestling fans still have on the market for this culture in america whatever you want to say wrestling still is in the higher echelon more than what people would like to say getting to the point of this here stone cold steve austin's biography documentary whatever you want to call it was good and even they they even got into uh the names that he had Before he became Stone Cold Steve Austin, like Chili McFang or Chili McFreeze or a whole lot of different names, which was silly and ridiculous. But thank God he landed on Stone Cold Steve Austin. And and I want to, before I do leave off this episode, I want to leave with this. This came uh, just a couple days ago. Mark Carano, who was a guy that works in talent relations for WWE, in a high position for talent relations. And talent relations is whenever you sign talent to WWE, you have to tell them, okay, you're going to be working this. You're going to be working in this arena. You have to be here by this time. It's basically almost like you're the wrestlers agents per se. You have to tell them if they have them do a charity event here or an event this way or that way or something like that. That's all a talent, uh, talent relations is. So Mark Carano got fired this week off of this. Last week, uh, WWE had their roster cuts, and in that roster cut was a female wrestler named Mickey James, a veteran, if you will. And she tweeted out a tweet, and she tagged Vince McMahon in it, and it basically stated that this is how my belongings came to me in the photo in the tweet it had a photo of mickey james uh stuff in a black bag and in a box and on the bag it had mickey on it she was showing you how somebody in wwe's corporate headquarters basically disrespected her by putting her stuff inside a black bag and inside a box and then sending it off to her you could have sended it off a better way if you wanted wanted me to, wanted my stuff out of there. You could have called me up and told me, "Hey, you need to get your stuff out of this thing by this certain time." You could do a whole lot of other things, but you had somebody disrespect me, and I don't appreciate it. That's what this led into, and now you had tweets from John Laurinaitis, who is the head head talent relations, and also in talent relations, they tell you if you're hired and or fired. So, they kind of tell you that John Laurinaitis had to fire Mark Carano. So, John Laurinaitis is the head of talent relations. And then he came out and talked about how this does not represent WWE. I'm sorry to you, Mickey James, for this happening to you. The person that did this no longer works for WWE. Stephanie McMahon came out and said the same thing that John Laurinaitis said. And then Triple H came out in a tweet. And said the exact same thing as John and Stephanie said in their tweet. So Mark Rono did get fired, and now that leads to a whole big situation. Not from, not in my mind, but just a lot of wrestlers will come. A lot of wrestlers uh, didn't per se come out, but thanks to Fightful Select, um, talked to uh, somebody Fightful, and they said they didn't use the wrestler's name, but they were saying now. Uh, Uh, mark carano is a snake and how uh certain wrestlers were happy to see him go and all this and such i never met the guy i never worked in wwe a day in my life i plan on uh working somewhere in the entertainment industry because entertainment never dies because you always need something like right now you're listening to podcasts me talking right now And more or less, you're going to look on your YouTube and your Instagram and Twitter. Getting to my point here. He got fired because he didn't have somebody do a package right. Or he did something wrong. Either way, he was in charge of that. So whenever somebody does something stupid, all the blowback directly goes straight to him. So he had to take the fall for this. So... I'm not sure what happens in that. I'm not. I never worked there. I never worked that type of job. So I'm not sure what to say. But what I do know is you could have called somebody up and said, yo, you need to come down here and get your stuff. You need to do this or whatever the case may be. Or talk to them and say, how do you want your stuff delivered to you? Since you can't drive down here. Something like that. You don't want packages in a black box. Not a black box, but in a black, like, trash bag and then send it off in a brown box. That's disrespectful. I would have been pissed off myself. So, I'm glad that it got called out. I'm not sure how to feel about somebody losing their job. I'm not sure about all that. But, hey, that's not my problem. That's not all for me to say. But, anyway, I'll get out of here. I'll, next week, I hope to recap you of what happened with the AEW, AEW slash Impact Wrestling Uh, Rebellion pay-per-view joint to tell you who won and who lost. I'll be looking at it on Twitter to see about how many people tweet about it and how many people talk about it. That's how I'll know in real time who won and who lost and which one of my predictions is right. But I can almost guarantee that Kenny Omega is winning the AEW and, well, retaining the AEW Championship and winning the Impact Championship. And we'll see how much this blends more into my idea that okay we're gonna see more impact stars jumping over to aew just to cause some ruckus but that's my uh thought process for this this has been wrestling highlights of the week i have been your host joe garrett i'll see you guys next week and we'll talk about it well at least i will bye now i'm tired. you tired.